2: Welcome to The Best Bits, a podcast that is dedicated to helping you grow through the worst bits to get to the best. I'm your host and resident hypnotherapist, Lily, and my passion is to help women overcome whatever is holding them back. So let's get into it. I'd like to recognize the traditional owners of the land in which I am recording this podcast on today, the Gubbi Gubbi people, and to extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I am so excited about our guest today. But before I introduce her, uh, I want to do my best, my worst and my quotes for this week. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the cheeky reminder on Tuesday. Thank you for all the support that you're showing that by listening to it every week. Uh, I really appreciate it so my best okay my best my best my best this week i took the day off on monday so i did no work and i had lots of bridesmaids duties to do for my sister so that was just really fun like we went and got her makeup trial And met with the photographer and the styling company and all the things that you do. It was a really exhausting day. Like it's so much stuff you have to do for a wedding. Uh, and I just did one day of it, so I can only imagine. Uh, but it was just really nice and exciting. And I just kept picturing her walking down the aisle and I'm just so excited. So her wedding is in Feb. So it's coming up really quickly. So that's my best. Just the excitement around that. It's so nice to have things to look forward to in life. I feel like that's just such an important part of happiness is having things to look forward to and getting excited about. So yeah, that's definitely my best. And my worst of the week It's not really to do with me, but my partner is sick at the moment and it just feels like there's so much sickness going around. It just feels like you're going to get something at any moment. Uh, I'm sure many of you listening to this right now probably even have like the flu or or COVID or something like that. So I hope you're okay. Um, But yeah, it just feels like it's just going around. So that's my worst. And my quote... My quote today is a little bit of a longer one, but it just says, uh, it will all pass. The good, the bad, the unknown, everything. It all passes. Give yourself a second to breathe deeply and remind yourself that whatever season you are in right now, whatever is happening in your life today, it will pass.
1: And I just think,
2: yeah, it's so true. It will pass. Every season that you're in, every down moment every happy moment every whatever that feels like this is permanent it will pass and I think it just reminds us to ride the waves of life you will have down moments you will have up moments you will have all the feelings and all the things in between but it all passes so appreciate the good and just ride the wave with the bad that is something that just helps me a lot in my life. So I hope that helps you too. Uh, But let's get on to today's episode because it is a bit of a long one, but it is such a good one. Today I interviewed Madeline Lebski. She is such an incredible person. I originally met Madeline uh, because she reached out to me for a session a few years ago now, and she has battled chronic fatigue for about five years and she has such an incredible wisdom about it. She has so much knowledge and she has really tried everything. She has tried everything to deal with her chronic fatigue and she has found some things that have really, really helped her. She has such a, just a, an incredible perspective on chronic fatigue and it being, you know, as she says in this episode, a it's not, it's not the illness, it's the symptom. And finding those root causes of really what's going on is going to help you so much. So she goes into that a lot. Uh, we're going to leave some of the things that have really helped her in the show notes as well as links to her businesses. So she now has an art business and she has a business mentoring uh, business as well because Madeline created such a successful um a business within the um beauty industry and she sold it and yeah so she has just such a wealth of knowledge there so i will link all of that in the show notes and i just hope you enjoy this episode because i really loved love love making it um and yeah enjoy madeline lepsky <music> Well, everybody, I am so excited because today we have Madeline Levsky on the podcast and Madeline and I go way back now. Uh, She was a client of mine years and years ago and we've done a few sessions together over the years, but I've just been so inspired by your story and who you are and what you've been through and where you are now it's so amazing so welcome to the podcast
3: thank you i am so excited to be here i'm <laughs> I was so like, excited yeah, it's just like such a good time to in my life to be chatting about this
2: so oh, I'm happy. Good. that's so good i feel like everything happens at the exact right time i've wanted to have you on for ages but i feel like it's like perfect timing now
3: yeah i've also wanted to speak more about it i think for yeah. quite a while but like yep. also not really being in the space yet for yep. it so yep. yeah yep. i think it definitely goes both ways and when you message me to come on i was like you're reading my mind
2: oh good that makes me so happy well yeah. we always start with uh your best and worst of the week so tell me what is your best what is your worst
3: well, this week has been very reflective i mean it's the middle of December just about mm-hmm. when we're chatting and the best of the week has been just being out in the world more and I've started to go and work from cafes and I work for myself so I have that flexibility um, and actually starting a new TikTok account where I'm sharing like my brand mentoring business strategy stuff um, wow. which has been a really fun new really yeah. creative outlet um yeah That's so that awesome. would be the best like just the career sort of stuff like expanding a lot at the moment yeah um and the worst of the week I've definitely felt I don't know if it's the worst but I've definitely felt a bit more emotional this week in terms of mm. reflecting that this time last year I was probably at my lowest mm. or just starting to come out of my lowest yeah um physically mentally spiritually everything it was just not a good time so i think that reflection you do of like that yearly reflection of oh how's the year been and this year's been really amazing for me but it's also that the complex emotions of grief it can come up you know when you're feeling good or it can sort of sneak up on you so
2: yeah that's been probably a bit
3: challenging
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that is that's such a good point to make. I think sometimes when we are feeling really good, there's this part of us that's like, "But hey, remember, mm-hmm. <laughs> remember it's like, you were feeling a year ago?"
3: <laughs> yeah, and it just like reminds you because it's such you a know? contrast as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think our brains and nervous systems are just trying to figure out what's safe and yeah. what's going on, and it's like, "But wait, what? this is so different to." Mm where you were so I'm a bit confused
2: <laughs> yeah 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 and like in actuality that's like the best thing ever but sometimes our minds just don't they don't get it
3: yeah and I, yeah. I don't think people talk about that a lot when it comes to overcoming anything is yeah. that it's not this linear thing of just okay I feel better now yeah, And now the rest of it's just wiped from my memory or my history. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, I feel better now because I'm informed by what I've been through.
2: Yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. Oh, well, I'm so keen to get into your story and I want to get to where you are now, but I guess first we kind of got to go back to where you mm-hmm. were. Can you, I, I want to start with, can you tell us a little bit about your life pre-chronic fatigue?
3: Yeah. So I was, I think, just 27 when I got sick. So mm-hmm. there was quite a bit of life before that. Mm. Um, I grew up here in Tasmania and mm. on seven acres in beautiful bushland and have a pretty small family. So it was a pretty, you know, tight unit. Um, mm. And I guess growing up in Tasmania, you sort of naturally do the thing where you you think about moving to Melbourne after school because there's not as many courses here at the university there are now but I'm 34 so back then it was like (laughs) you kind of could only do like teaching nursing and engineering and like not much else um so yeah I planned to move to Melbourne with my best friend when we were 18 and Mm -hmm. moved over there for uni I studied two years of dietetics actually uh, health science and dietetics Um, and then it got to the really deep, like biochemistry world. And I was like, I don't Mm. understand this (laughs) and I think I need to have a time off. Yeah. So yeah. And I was doing the thing of like, you know, partying and being in my early twenties in a big city and
2: so different from Tassie.
3: Yeah. So different. (laughs) It was like, I literally remember having to get the train to uni for the first time and going the complete wrong way for half an hour because I'd never been on a train. And I was like 19. is mean, so, just like
2: so far nah, behind well. in the best way possible.
3: <laughs> really, truly. We're still like 10 years behind, I feel like. Yeah. So it was the big city life for me, like a yeah. Hallmark movie of, you know, like the small yeah. town girl in the big city. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't mind Melbourne. I, I actually found it like pretty overwhelming most of the time. Like mm. I started to get pretty severe anxiety. Um, Mm. and just yeah I was living there for about five years I took I stopped doing dietetics because it just wasn't really resonating with me and I took six months off to just work and yeah just have fun without the pressure of studying and yeah being that overachiever that I'd always been so I just yeah took it took about six months off and then I decided to do marketing at uni because my mom had always worked in tourism marketing and she's a copywriter and editor and I definitely am more that leaning that way Um,
4: yeah
3: oh you're so so creative yeah thank you Mm. yeah so it I loved that degree it was it made sense to me like learning consumer behavior and it was sort of like that psychology almost um so yeah I did that for three years and then after that I moved to Sydney lived in Bondi for a couple of years which I absolutely loved and Mm. that just changed my mental health for the better in so many ways like I'd never lived near the water before and near the ocean and had that relationship to nature in that way like I'd grown Mm. up in the bush so it was like not like bush like rural but you know like with trees around me yeah the closest beach to me here in Tassie is still about an hour away so yeah yeah, lived in Bondi and just kind of got really into health in that time really into meditation that was I was working a job in marketing for a fashion label and just it was a very intense quite toxic job and but it mm-hmm. led me to doing things like meditation and wow. having to start like okay how can I start to manage this anxiety that I'm feeling mm-hmm. and, and just I guess by this point as well I would have been about 23 so yeah. I was just in a, entering that, so, you know, coming into my mid-20s, just a different phase of life. Um, so, mm. yeah, that was really when I started to do things like kinesiology and yeah. acupuncture and yoga and just mm. really got mm. into the Bondi life. Yeah, like, Everyone <laughs> else there. So Bondi of you. Look, I was sucked right in. <laughs> I was, like, ready and primed for the taking and um yeah and I actually ended up quitting that marketing job and that's a common story for me just quitting jobs (laughs) but I um I just like wasn't for me I wasn't really into fashion it was just like very showy um and I actually worked for a year at a shop in Bondi called About Life which is like a big um it's kind of like Erewhon that they have in America like a big sort of grocer health shop yeah. Loved that because I was mm. fully into that world of just and that's where I learned so much from customers who were into health and wellness. Yeah. And we'd chat and it was just a low pressure job, but it was really social and yeah. yeah I just kind of honestly floated around for a good few years of my twenties doing things nice. like that. Um and because I got really into yoga, they did really help my my overall sense of self and mm. Dealing with stress and um, actually ended up going to India for two months. Wow. For like a yoga retreat. And that was kind of like the intro to where I started to decline with my health as well because I got okay. sick in India twice. Uh huh. Came home with a. Are you poisoning
2: uh, or like a parasite? Both. Yeah. Oh, fun. Came,
3: <laughs> came home with a little friend in my gut. Uh
2: huh. Good, good.
3: <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but it was still, I actually, after India, I moved to Byron Bay. So I kind of just kept Mm. heading North. Um, I loved Sydney, but it was just so expensive. I Mm. I
4: couldn't
3: afford to pay rent there. And this is back in 2015, you know, it's crazy now, but it was really expensive then too. Yeah. So I decided to move further North because Byron was actually really cheap then compared Mm. to again, what it is now. Um, and I had a few friends up there that had kind of shared their time between Bondi and Byron, which is pretty common. So kind of was like, all right, I'm going to go further north. And that was after I'd been overseas for two months. So, yeah. and, you know, you can imagine being in that environment, I just continued to do yeah. all of the healing
2: yep. <laughs> spiritual thing. Uh-huh. I can imagine.
3: Yes. And <laughs> also, to Byron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, a lot of spiritual bypassing. I'll put it that way. Yep. Yep. yeah. <laughs> a yep. lot of, um, yes, performative kind of spiritual things, but mm, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind living there, but it was a, it's such a beautiful place, but it's very hard to find routine and mm. stability. It's so yeah. transient. And I was 25, 26. So it suited me then, but
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, I ended up sort of getting a bit over it and, mm. Yeah, I was working for a travel company that was taking off and doing really well. I was working for them full-time in Byron and mm. started to feel sort of just a bit burnt out, but I could still work. So it was yeah. not at the point where I was like, uh, I should be concerned about this. But looking okay. back, I think I should have been concerned about it to an extent.
2: Mm. So um, what were you noticing around that time?
3: So I worked in an office so I could sit down for work, but I, I didn't have like a lot of energy outside Mm -hmm. of that. I stopped exercising and I'd always been pretty active. Mm. My cycles were all over the place. I'd come off the pill a few years beforehand and Mm -hmm. my periods were very irregular and just all over the place and I was having acupuncture and they couldn't really work out They're oh, like, I don't know like there's a few mm-hmm. things going on here so I was doing stuff to try and mitigate and manage the symptoms but I mm-hmm. wasn't really going all in I suppose with really trying to get to the root of it mm-hmm. um, I was just really mm-hmm. putting up with it because it was yeah. it's like in our society if you can work and be productive then you're okay
4: That's so true. Yeah. That's
3: what I felt. It was like, well, can you go to work? Would be things that a GP or, you know, Mm -hmm. any practitioner would kind of be curious about. But I wasn't sleeping well. There were so many things that were just not not adding up. Um, So I I really kind of just managed it for probably six months. And then I decided, all right, I'm going to leave this job because it's just not working for me. There's just mm-hmm. too much stress. And my plan originally was to quit in January of 2017. So mm. I gave my notice before Christmas, worked a month, and then it was end of January, 2017. And I was like, all right, I'm going to finish up this job, take like a month off and then go get another job. Yeah, And I just couldn't get out of bed.
4: It Ridiculous. was like, as
3: yeah, as if I I was with a boyfriend at the time, and he lived on the Gold Coast, so I moved up there. And I remember leaving the job, and yeah, I think the week after, I just was like, I'm so tired, but mm. in a whole different way, I couldn't couldn't move, like just wow. Yeah, it was my body had just been like, thank you, okay, we're shutting down, like
2: like you've finally given me a break, mm. and fully shut down.
1: Yep. Wow, yeah,
3: and that's what that pretty much was exactly what happened. It just wow, yeah, everything just stopped
2: oh, so and from there, that is that sort of when it all really just began to snowball?
3: Yeah, I would say that I, again, I was really ignoring it to an extent, like just mm. thinking I'd being burnt out and that I just needed more naps than usual. And looking back, I'm like, oh God, there was so much going on. But when you're in Mm. it, you just can't see it. And when you're used to a certain level of stress, I'd always been in fight or flight. I'd always been anxious. It was sort of just like, all right, this is just another level of it that I'm going to have to get used to. Yeah. Um, But I ended up moving home to Tassie about Mm. two months later because I just couldn't manage. Yeah. But even then it was still, my family didn't really understand how unwell I was because I was masking it a lot and kind of just trying to push through.
4: Mm. So I
3: moved back here and things just kind of went downhill even further and just continued (laughs) to get worse and worse and really just, I would say it was the beginning of like my personal undoing on so right. many levels of past trauma and just so much more than just my health um, wow. that really continued on for the last five years yeah <laughs> really. do um, you
2: think it was like the you know the fatigue that then brought up a lot of stuff mm, absolutely
3: or, I think yeah. when your body really closes down like that mm. it's usually because it's just it just can't do it anymore and yeah By it, I mean stress, trauma, being in that fight or flight. Mm. And it's such a traumatic thing to feel like that in your body. Yeah, And so I think naturally it does bring up a lot of Mm -hmm. emotion and a lot of stress and confusion. And I know it's different for everybody, but I think for me, it really was a reckoning of the past mm. coming into light and yeah and just the way I'd lived my life kind yeah. of out of touch with myself and living in that stress mode so mm. for me personally I think the fatigue started to create a void in my life where
2: mm.
3: you have no distraction from yourself
2: yeah. that's big isn't it that mm-hmm you literally you can't distract yourself with anything because yeah you, you physically can't
3: yeah like in the past yeah. I would have gone and you know gone for a run or mm. flogged my body like in, yeah in some way like you know yeah. just push kept pushing it and done something like that but when you physically can't move and yeah when you're in the depths of the really bad fatigue you can't even really sometimes watch TV or scroll on your phone yeah. like because your your neuroinflammation is so high that I'm only just now starting to be able to read again wow. and read and like take that information in. So yeah. it's not just a, a body fatigue, it's a mind fatigue. It's mm. this cognitive just dissonance where you can't process anything. So yeah. it's really intense and, yeah, you're kind of, I would say it is just like everything goes on pause.
1: Wow. Can
2: you can you tell us like what what is chronic fatigue? What causes chronic fatigue? I feel like it's something that people, you know, sometimes talk about, but there's so much unknown about it. And I literally did like a Google the other day of like chronic fatigue and the treatments, it said self-care, I was like, mm. "Hey, I, I yeah.
3: feel like
2: there's more to this." So, yeah, what what is it?
3: Well, it depends, really. I this is my view, and everyone's mm. going to have different views on it. And it is quite a um, wide topic, but yeah, chronic fatigue is a symptom, okay. not an illness. Yeah, That's my belief. It gets treated like an illness. Mm -hmm. But it is a symptom of something else is going on. Some Mm -hmm. other system in your body is not coping, whether Mm -hmm. that's your mental health, your physical health, your gut health, hormone health. There can be a lot of things driving Mm -hmm. that chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. But the problem I always had when I went to GPs and doctors was that they were treating me for chronic fatigue or Mm -hmm. ME, which is, I can't, it's like myoencephalitis, which okay. is like an infection I think and there's a sort of more common umbrella you get put under of chronic fatigue and it okay. is just pace yourself and don't work too hard do light mm. exercise and manage your mental health is like the general
2: oh god yeah
3: prescription which is just so frustrating because mm. you could be doing all those things but if you're not addressing the cause yeah. um for me i lived in a house that had mold in queensland so Mm. mold was a big driver and is a really it's becoming more um i don't want to say on trend but more sort of Mm. uh, aware that that Mm -hmm. is a cause of something like chronic fatigue
4: like Um, black mold is that what it is
3: yeah 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 Yeah. so Mm. it's very common in places like queensland where i was living um, it can be common in places like Tasmania as well but from the damp coming from the cold rather than yeah. from the humidity of the heat yeah uh, so that was a driving force for me um, mm. and I had the parasite from India so my gut was completely ruined mm. my adrenals had shut down there mm. were so many driving factors that no one was paying attention to initially
4: yeah.
3: so chronic fatigue really in my eyes is a time for you to look at what is driving this though Mm. and sadly a lot of people don't get an opportunity through their doctors or some practitioners to explore it more deeply
2: because Mm.
3: they're sort of gaslit into thinking that it's either all in your head especially Mm -hmm. if you're a woman Mm -hmm. there was a lot of that um or that
2: because of hormone related related things would they sort of Put it's it off just, to that.
3: Yeah, just women just get treated yeah. differently in the health yeah. system. Yeah. Our pain is not validated as much. You know, think about mm. conditions like endo
4: mm. and
3: you know, ovarian cysts, all those things, they just they're you can't see them from the outside. So they can yeah. be very difficult. Whereas often if a man goes to emergency with some sort of stomach pain they are put right through and that's not mm-hmm. even my opinion that comes from I've got friends who work in emergency and they've said that's that can often be what happens wow so it's just a societal thing I think that women yeah. are hysterical and mm. you know emotional and all these things and it's like yeah. okay that's not that's- anything to do with this
2: Women have such a high um pain tolerance. It's I know. <laughs> much I, I don't i don't want to speak out of term, but I think much more than men do. <laughs> yeah.
3: I know. Like hello, period pain every four yeah. weeks. Like yeah. So but, for, yeah, that's kind of my understanding of chronic fatigue. Okay. There, yeah. There's the medical way you can say of it. Um, but that's my understanding of it, that it is yeah. it's a symptomatic thing yeah. of a deeper issue.
2: Yeah. And I think like, Jesus, that's, you know, such a common thing, right? You know, it's Mm. with anxiety and, you know, really anything that I deal with my clients, it's like, that's, that is the symptom. What's, Mm. what's really going on here. Mm.
3: Yeah. And mental health can be treated the same. Like, oh, you've got generalized anxiety disorder, Mm -hmm. but we're not looking at why or yeah. you know so I do view chronic fatigue as being a similar thing where yeah.
4: it's,
3: it's easier for doctors to diagnose it like mm-hmm. that mm. and not they also just aren't trained in my understanding you know a GP is not trained yeah. in that really acute yeah situational stuff
2: um mm.
3: so really working with practitioners who specialize it in it yep. um, was the beginning of me starting to see that, okay, this is a multi-system yep. uh, physical illness that is going on and yeah. there's a lot of things that need to be addressed. Mm. Um, but that took me five years and probably about yeah. $100,000 to, oh to
2: figure my God. out. Well, I was going to say, you know, that when you get that, that diagnosis, it – I can just only imagine it just feels like okay like where do we start what Mm. what do we do what were some of the things that you did try
3: well my situation the diagnosis that I have is MCAS which is mast cell activation syndrome which is also kind of in the spotlight at the moment with
1: I've never heard of what is that
3: so it's you have your mast cells in your body, which sort of regulate histamine and allergic responses and inflammatory responses, okay. um, and they really dictate a lot of how you your body functions.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So the mold illness piece tends to flare up your mast cells to be overactive, mm. and that leads to a whole host of issues. Um, but if people want to look it up, just look up MCAS, M-C-A-S, and there's yeah. loads of information now about it because it's really... In the last few years, a lot of research has gone into it. So, okay. um, I didn't get that diagnosis until last year.
4: So oh wow! Oh.
3: Five years on. So to go back to what I was trying, everything I saw,
4: mm.
3: every Instagram, you know, naturopath, yep. dietitian. Um, I was living on the gold. I actually left Tasmania because the treatment that was available here wasn't mm. enough. And a lot yep. of practitioners didn't use Zoom in 2017. It was a lot more oh. in person.
4: Mm. So
3: I did actually decide to move back to the Gold Coast on my own. I was single at the time and yep. um I just knew that I needed to be by the ocean again and yep. and live that lifestyle that it had helped me before.
4: So that was
3: very challenging moving back on my own but Man. I was living in in burly heads and right by the water so it was great and I had there's so many incredible practitioners on the gold coast oh. as you probably know of in Queensland mm-hmm. in general I just feel like that health healthy lifestyle breeds a lot of really great yeah. practitioners yeah um,
1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
3: So, I was seeing an amazing dietitian who had had mold illness herself. Ah, uh, so she really understood. Mm. Uh, we did homeopathics, we did gut testing.
4: Mm.
3: If there was a test that existed, I did it. And they no. the thing for me was they were always kind of inconclusive. They weren't like, mm-hmm. all right, there's all these red flags. It was just mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, there's a bit of this and a bit of that. And really what I understand now is the driver of it was the MCAS, which right. was being completely missed. And it basically meant, and this is a really common thing that people might relate to but not be aware of is that when you're really reactive to supplements or detox protocols or mm. colonics or infrared saunas anything that like stirs up your detox response yeah it's likely that there's an mcas reaction going on uh-huh so basically my body was on fire on the inside is how it was described to me by the specialist that i ended up seeing who
4: uh-huh. helped me
3: with this and you know, you've got such high neuroinflammation, so inflammation of your brain, your body, everything is just on fire. And Mm -hmm. so you then try a detox protocol and you're releasing all these things into your body and it's just like gasoline on the flames.
4: Oh my God.
3: Things that should have helped Mm -hmm. made me worse all the time. So that was the really frustrating and confusing thing because I would see all these people get better
4: Mm. from doing,
3: you know, a heavy metal detox or a gut protocol or having saunas all the time, but I would just feel worse. I remember doing a greens powder that was for a detox through my dietitian. Mm. And I did it for a week and I was in bed for six weeks.
2: So how yeah. does that um so what is it about those things that that is like pouring gasoline on? Like what is
3: they start is to that? essentially bind out the heavy metals or parasites or bacteria overload that is going on or the mold if you've got mold in there mm. and release it into your system so uh. usually if you've got a liver that's functioning really well if you've got a, a gut that's functioning bowels functioning really well mm. that's not a problem yeah so you, you will pass it out your body will process it yeah. but if all of that stuff is really dysfunctional mm. it's essentially just releasing all this stuff that was making you sick in the first place into your body Mm -hmm. to recirculate and then go back into your body because it has no outlet for it to go because your liver is not working well your bowels might not be working well and so on so it's really when you're doing that detox or when you're doing that sort of process your body needs to be able to process those things
2: Mm. to make it effective so that's such a amazing point because I feel like everyone just goes okay yeah do like some kind of detox mm. but all the- like going <laughs> yeah, yeah wow. like for me
3: like heat heat would be a massive trigger for yep. MCAS for me so I would go and have a sauna and then I'd feel horrible for days mm. and I was like I don't get it and then I was like this isn't not this isn't because I'm detoxing yeah because I would never feel better after it it was just mm. always making me feel bad because the heat can be a real trigger for MCAS because that's a stress to your body to be in like a really hot environment. So it was years of me doing Mm -hmm. all of the things in inverted commas I should be doing Mm -hmm. and people around me also being a bit frustrated (laughs) of like, but you're doing all the things. This doesn't make sense. Mm. Why are you getting worse or just sort of staying the same? Mm. So yeah, it was a good few years of that. And there's always been a bit of a mystery around um patients like myself Mm. there's a book called toxic I think it's called and he uh the doctor that wrote that I can't remember his name but he um kind of spearheaded this whole world of research of having these patients that would just react to everything and really Mm. try and understand why that was happening Mm. so yeah that can be something that people can be going through as well that can be really common where like Mm. I couldn't even take zinc like a, a normal really? nutrient based mineral, yeah. you know, it just would make me want to vomit and mm-hmm. I just couldn't handle anything. So yeah, yeah, I kept trying and trying and um, it wasn't until we sort of, I narrowed it down to really specialist kind of naturopaths. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was actually on a wait list for about 14 months for this doctor that I'd been recommended
2: I remember this. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And it was really wild how it happened. It was last year. I was in a really low place. My nan had passed away, and the trauma Mm -hmm. of that, like we were very, very close. And the grief Mm -hmm. of that, again, flared up all the MCAS stuff because it's incredibly linked to your stress levels. Yeah. Your cortisol. If you're releasing a lot more cortisol, it triggers to your mast cells that you're in danger. So they, like the body is incredible, really. It's, mm. it's just doing what it thinks it's doing the right thing, but it's yep. over-responding. Yep. Um, so I got this call out of the blue from this doctor's office and they said, oh, we've got an opening next week. And I didn't even oh. know who they were. I was like, who? Like I, I completely <laughs> forgotten. Like you go on all these wait lists for people then you never hear back from half of them. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you know, Dr. Ruth Edwards is her name. And she's got a space next week, and I was like, "I'll take it." Yeah. And it was just such a gift from the universe oh. because, yeah, I was just in such a such a bad way that I just didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. And within one session with her, she was like, "This is what's going on. This is what we need to do, and wow. we need to do it like yesterday."
2: Oh, so- I can really imagine that feeling of like this like someone someone is going to take control of this
3: yeah it was wow. very I think the best thing about it was it was very validating
2: mm. um, and a
3: lot of these doctors are quite intense to work with to be yeah. honest because they're very specialized in their field and they deal with such acute cases that they mm. are quite like extreme in some ways in terms of yeah things you have to cut out and do and whatever mm. but you find you find your own way with that yeah. And what works for you. But she just was like, I have no doubt that this is what's going on for you. And wow. after years of practitioners who'd been recommended to me getting to points where they were like, I don't know, mm.
4: like, well,
3: this should be working, but it's not. Yeah. I don't know what to do. And the, I always felt like I was failing them somehow. Yeah. That I was just, okay, it's just not meant for me. I'm just always going to be dealing with this. Yeah. And you and I had talked about that in sessions as well. Like you've seen me in that period of my time, of my life being like, I know I can get better, but I also don't know how. I have no idea how this is going to happen for me. Yeah. So working with a doctor that immediately put me on a medication for MCAS, immediately put me on high-dose antihistamines, and Mm. I was taking the most amount of supplements and things that I had ever taken but she was yeah. like you need to go all in and wow. if you don't you're not going to get better yeah and that can be pretty intense when you're in a very vulnerable space
2: absolutely but
3: again you almost need someone to take the bull by the horns for you and say this is what we're doing and yeah. you know you're coming along for the ride <laughs> even if you're not ready
2: <laughs> yeah it so, must so- be so nice to just have someone else take control for a second like you've had to pay your own way this whole time Mm. someone else just be like do this
3: yeah and I think I was in such a place of surrender like Mm. that I was often people that get a lot of these conditions can be control-free kind of people and I don't mean that in like a hypocrite in a sort of um like derogatory way but it's true. We're usually a bit more highly strung and uh-huh. struggle to let go of that control. And it was a big learning for me of mm. of surrendering and being like trusting someone's going to help me because I'd yeah. lost a lot of faith and trust in practitioners, mm. um, not through any fault of their own, but just through the experiences I'd had of mm. trying everything and everyone promising me the world. and yeah it not happening for me and really having dr edwards just be so confident in her Mm. approach and she's just like 95 percent of my patients get better and you will too wow she's like there's "There's no doubt this is going to work and even though i didn't believe her it was nice to have (laughs) someone who was just like we're gonna keep trying and she said if this doesn't work we'll keep trying we will keep digging and finding things and that's Mm -hmm. the kind of practitioner you need and they cost a lot and they can often be really difficult to get into but it's it costs you more to yeah to not do it and we you know sort of scrounged around for every penny we had and just invested in me getting well because if I can't work and all those sorts of things, then mm-hmm. it, it costs so much more in the long run for me to be, you know,
2: absolutely
3: unable. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. And when did you start to see some differences
3: within two weeks of her wow. protocol? I was like, okay, the main thing was anxiety, I was having more sort of panic attacks, and mm-hmm. before I started working with her, um, and had a lot of intolerances to foods all of a sudden and things like that were very just heightened. Mm. So I did a low histamine diet for two weeks and took the medication and antihistamines. And within, within probably a week, my anxiety level dropped by about 50%. Wow. And I was like, well, there's something to this. Like mm-hmm. just mentally, I just felt calmer and, <sighs> Yeah. Just less reactive. So yeah, it was two weeks. And then I would say it's still very much a work in progress. Like I don't, I don't work with her anymore because I don't really need to, because I'm on this medication for a little while. And then I work with an incredible naturopath um, who people might know, Erin Lovell-Verinder. She's incredible. And she has been so helpful as well. And so it's a work in progress, but I would say it's probably about six months of working with Ruth. Yeah, of trying a few different things and introducing new supplements that mm. things started to really level out for me. Okay. Um. So yeah, probably about six months, and then I decided to go on a low dose SSRI to help with the sort of yeah. overall anxiety, which you were so important for me in that process because was I? <laughs> yes you were the reason like you told me you said if there is something out there that can help you why would you yep. not do it for yourself yeah. and honestly that that got me over the line it was Aww. and seeing you thriving and being open about being on medication as well because yeah. I was dealing with OCD and yep. pretty pretty severely from from the trauma of being unwell and yeah, I just, I got to the point at the start of this year in January Mm -hmm. where I was like, I'm not going into another year just trying to manage my mind. Yeah, And I did DNA testing. I did all the things (laughs) to find out which medication would be best for me because there is a history of mental health in my family and medication had not always been the right sort of effective option. So that's why I was quite nervous about doing it. But honestly, it was, it's been the best thing that I've ever um, done and alongside I just feel like it helps alongside everything else that I do.
2: It helps you to, do all things better, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. And to process the last, you know, six years and yeah. And yeah, get some autonomy back in my brain and yeah. self yeah. just to be able to yeah handle <sighs> such long term health issues.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm so so stoked that that you did that but then also that you found the right people for you Mm. I feel like that's one of the biggest things in any kind of mental health physical health journey is just finding the people that like that know their stuff but that also aren't going to give up on you Mm. often it can feel like that I'm failing I'm failing but you're not it's just you haven't found the right thing yet or you haven't found the right person and they're I think there always is a right person and a right thing. You just have to find it. I think,
3: yeah, it is. (laughs) And I think it's about those seasons of your life. Like I've had some practitioners come into my life like Ruth at the right time. And Mm -hmm. then I've known when it's right for me to not work with them anymore. Yeah, And maybe I don't need to, maybe there's someone that comes into my life who has a different expertise or a different approach yeah. that suits me where I'm at and so I think it's important to not be afraid to end those relationships Absolutely. peacefully and amicably um from a place of thank you for what you've done for me for this period and now I'm going yeah. to try this and a good practitioner in my experience will be happy for you yes that, that you're not needing them as much Ruth was like You've graduated. You're so, yes. you know, great, go and live your life. I'm here. <laughs> you need me, you know. Yeah. So I think st- sometimes we do stick with people for too long because we might be a bit people pleasing or just it feels yeah. awkward about like, you know, I've ended I've ended the um connections I've had with psychologists or yeah,
4: mm-hmm. therapists
3: when I've just felt like I'm not getting out of this what I need. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna try someone else. And yeah, usually they're happy. Often a practitioner doesn't want to keep going with something if they also feel it's not the right fit. So absolutely,
2: absolutely. Yeah,
3: keeping keeping on looking even when it's difficult and not giving up on yeah. finding the right next person.
2: Would that be your biggest tip? Mm,
3: I think so. I think in the beginning, I I didn't trust my instincts enough mm. when it came to who I was what I would see now is who I was allowing on this journey with me. Yeah. Other than there was a lot of um, patronizing, a lot of um, gaslighting Mm -hmm. that was occurring with the practitioners at the beginning. Yeah. Who did make me feel like I was doing something wrong if I wasn't Mm -hmm. progressing Mm -hmm. because it was their ego getting hurt that, well, I make all these other people better. Why aren't you? And it was like, oh okay I've already got a failure complex and now I'm like now I'm not perfecting getting better I felt like I was meant to be like you know being perfect at being unwell and then getting well and yeah it's just like that was a whole like contradiction to what you're trying to do mentally, trying to not be a people pleaser and a control you know controlling person Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think my biggest tip would be don't give up. Ask people mm. who they've seen. I did that a lot. I would ask people who I knew had recovered and say, who did you see? I get people asking me that. Who did you see? Mm. And I always am open about who I've worked with, yeah. what I found great about them, maybe what didn't work for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, just keep on keep on doing your research. Unfortunately, you do have to be the one driving it mm. for a long time or maybe for some of it. It's just... Part and parcel of this journey, and that's not always a bad thing. I think it is just part of taking responsibility for your own life and health. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you find the right people, just hang on to them. And when you find yourself sitting across from a practitioner who's making you feel small and insignificant, mm-hmm. run the other way.
2: yep Oh, that's such a good tip. That's so they will,
3: they will not change. No. you know, I've 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 sat across from a very well known functional doctor and said i would like to try medication for ocd and anxiety Mm -hmm. and they said to me you have too much time on your hands you should go and volunteer somewhere in the world where they don't have so much
2: oh my god that's That's, that's, uh
3: you know someone who's a functional integrative doctor who's highly recommended and
2: that's awful so mm.
3: it happens and mm-hmm. just because someone's got the title on their door, don't let them make you feel yeah. like shit because it's not fair and it's not what you need when you're going through the hardest
2: yeah. thing of your life.
3: So find the people that that back you and believe you is the yeah. biggest advice.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we can even put um, some of the things that have helped you the most in the show notes as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. people,
2: just if... If you are struggling and you want to you know just have a little research in into these people maybe that might help you um, mm. and see if it feels right um what would you say i guess just like spitfire like some of the biggest red flags that people can look out for if they are feeling like something's wrong what mm. would those red flags be
3: i think a doctor once told me that and I don't necessarily, I feel like it's quite a limiting opinion, but it's also probably something like to note is that yeah. the length of time you're unwell for double that. And that's how long it will take to get better. Oh, yeah, it's Because you're, it takes so much longer to crawl your way back from something than yeah. it does to take action when it's not in that acute really bad phase. And that yeah. is my... I don't live with regrets, but it is something that I wish someone had said to me mm-hmm. was that I didn't live probably 18 months of my life ignoring things like fatigue, um, fatigue to a point where, you know, say you can't exercise anymore or yeah. it's not a tiredness. It's a fatigue that you sort of feel where your whole body feels heavy, like it's made of lead, you know, that sort of yeah. And it doesn't go away if you have a nap or have a weekend at home or do the self-care things, then really look into that because that's a big indicator that something's not right. Yeah. If you're, if you're a person with a period, then your cycle is a big indicator of mm. your overall health. So for me, mm. I was getting extremely per- um, painful periods, absent periods, absent ovulation, mm. all that sort of stuff. Look into that.
4: Mm. And I
3: think if your mental health is starting to decline in any kind of way, that can also be coming from inflammation. It doesn't Mm
4: -hmm.
3: always just come from work stress or other things. If you're Mm -hmm. feeling like the stress in your life hasn't necessarily changed, but you feel less sort Mm -hmm. of less bandwidth in in being able to handle it, then I think Mm -hmm. definitely notice that. um in i've done a lot of somatic therapy and they call it the window of tolerance
2: so Mm -hmm. if your
3: window of tolerance for things is becoming smaller and smaller yep that's definitely something to look out for because
2: Mm.
3: i've had to do a lot of work on widening my window of tolerance coming back out into the world from being in such a sort of dormant unwell place so yeah i think trust yourself and it doesn't it can be something small but if it's not something normal for you Mm. then keep going and you know get someone to really look at it yeah because yeah it will save you a lot of time and money by getting onto it sooner rather than putting up with it
2: yeah yeah absolutely Mm. wow Mm. (laughs) and do the
3: mindfulness stuff
2: (laughs) yeah do that stuff
3: (laughs) yeah I mean I didn't touch on that but that's a huge part of my journey has been the um dealing with my nervous system Mm. nervous system healing I would say to people you could take all the supplements you can do all the herbs you can do Mm. all those things but if your nervous system is fried
4: Mm. you've had a lot of
3: trauma in your life and trauma can be you know just long term stress it doesn't have to be trauma with a capital t it doesn't have yeah. to be a big thing but just long term stress um mm. really working with someone like a somatic therapist mm. or yourself a mm. hypnotherapist hypnotherapy has been game changing for me mm. and working on all levels of yourself
2: yeah
3: is going to be not only the thing that helps you get better but in my opinion the thing that will help you stay well Yes. Is what I've heard from a lot of people who have recovered fully and are really thriving now Yeah, have said that it's helped them feel more equipped to deal with stress Mm. because life is always going to have a level of stress. Yeah. And, you know, even once you're well, you still could have some huge event happen in your life or Mm -hmm. something going on for you. And having those tools to have in your toolkit every day will help from that relapse thing that we see. There's a lot of people, unfortunately, who will relapse with chronic yeah. fatigue because they may have dealt with the physical element, but may mm-hmm. not have dealt with the mental load and the nervous system load that yeah. ultimately can end up meaning you'll crash again. So yeah, Absolutely. really approaching it from all levels I think is really
2: important. Yeah. Yeah. Dressing the symptoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And- Tell us where you are now. You are doing the coolest stuff. Yeah. Tell me about your work and about your art because it's just so cool.
3: Thank you. I, I changed my Instagram bio recently to multi-hyphenate creative because like, I just can't put myself in like one. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um so yeah, I, like I've worked in social media on and off for a decade since Instagram mm. started. I've always mm-hmm. been into creative things yeah and while I was unwell which I didn't mention was I had a brand called auric alchemy uh, which was a natural fragrance brand Mm. so I did that for five years and that was really just something that was a good distraction from my health but ended up being a a brand that was stocked in 30 stores around Australia so oh that's massive yeah it was it was a big thing in the end and I sold that in 2021 Mm. to work on my health for the last two years yeah and just take some time out and this year probably in the last six months I've been able to sort of re-emerge into working again which is really exciting mm. so I discovered painting in April as mm. a, another outlet I had a bit more energy and had all this time and was just like oh. again somatic therapy led me to it because it's, yep. it was just you know that playfulness of the inner child sort of stuff of no yeah. pressure Um, And so I sell prints and I sell originals and do commission paintings and the whole premise of the art is about life's glimmers. It's Mm. colourful, it's moments of joy, maybe it's sitting around with someone having a wine or a cup of tea and just kind of capturing that moment. So they're just they're no. just fun. And I'm not like a they're I don't so cool. Like, I love them. Oh, thank you. I love I, them. It's funny. I thought I'd be like this real neutral tone kind of person when it came to that. But it's yeah. like, it's actually this outlet for me to inject so much more colour than I normally yes. would into something. So yeah. that's a little side thing that I do on the side. <laughs> it's just a sort of little hobby thing. That's um so cool. and I recently have started doing something that I've wanted to do for so long and I've sort of dabbled in it during Mm. my health but didn't have the capacity to do it. And that's mentoring other people through their own, Mm. discovering a business or brand or small business that they can do themselves because Mm. honestly, having a small business saved my life in so many ways while I was sick. It gave me a bit of income. It gave me something to do from home. Mm. I still can work about... I can work about 12 hours a week, I would say okay. at, at the moment. So I'm still very much in recovery yeah, um, and still napping in the day and things like that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, do, I do have so much more capacity Um, but I'm just taking it slowly. So yeah, I really feel like having your own business can be really empowering. If you, Mm. even if you want to stay home with your young children or you're pregnant or, you know, wanting to slow down. And I've got a few friends who once they've had kids, their priorities shifted in what they wanted for their work, that flexible lifestyle. So I'm very passionate about mentoring people in starting their brand and Everything I've learned from owning a brand and working in other mm. small businesses for ten years in in marketing and yeah, it just makes me really happy to think about sharing the knowledge of what I've learned yeah. and I just yeah, it's it's something that feels very purpose led at the moment yeah because I also come from quite a unique position um, with being able to work within a limited capacity. Mm-hmm. And personally, I found it really difficult to find mentors when I was growing my brand who weren't just like, you've got the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce, just hustle yeah. harder, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I do, but only about one of them I can use. So, yeah. you know, so it's that's sort of my approach is I'll never tell you to just like do more, spend more money, be more. Like, yeah. It comes I from love a that. nervous system informed yeah yeah yep. meeting you where you're at and that you don't have to be aiming to be a billionaire to want to start mm-hmm. a business. It can be a small thing it can be whatever you want it to be so
4: yeah.
3: that's uh, my sort of realm I'm diving into so now. Cool. And, yeah that's- working one-on-one with people and helping them do something that they love.
1: That's
2: amazing and that just brings so much purpose to people's life as well you know yeah I think you have your like- own thing that's so cool.
3: Yeah, and I think having a mentor, having support, it, got, it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about mm-hmm. of having the right people around you. I didn't have that when yeah. I was doing my brand. I I had a lot of friends who had successful brands and businesses on the Gold Coast because it's quite a mecca of of brands mm-hmm. now living mm-hmm. up there. But again, they didn't have the restrictions that I had and I, you know, had to take things very slowly and Yeah. So having, yeah, just having someone to talk to I think in the process is really helpful absolutely. because as you would know having your own business is just as much of an emotional roller coaster as it is like a strategic and financial one.
4: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely work,
3: working on that and then yeah bringing in all that really practical strategy around what it takes to grow a brand and find your ideal customer and the aesthetic and all of the very practical things mm. um that paired with being your cheerleader as well because yeah. that can help you push through the hard times
2: oh it does it does and it can feel like a very lonely thing business it is when you do it by yourself and you don't have a business partner or a team and yeah just having someone to bounce off of mm. so helpful so and you would be amazing at that. So thank you.
3: I mean, I haven't had a Christmas party for like six years
2: because yes. I've worked for myself. I just go to my boyfriend's Christmas parties. Yes. <laughs> this, this will do. <laughs>
3: Yeah. So it's a, yeah, the isolation is real, you know, the working yeah. from home thing can be quite overrated at times,
4: oh, it can especially be. if
3: you're introverted and yeah. find it hard to get out there. Or even me living in Tasmania now, it's it's not a freelancer lifestyle here. Most yep. people here work nine to five. So mm-hmm. I've always relied on online communities and, yep. and really you know reaching out to people to, to feel connected and have that community of people that are like I get it it's yeah it's hard but it's also really fun
2: sometimes too yeah absolutely oh I'm so stoked for you and just excited for where you're at and where you're going and we will leave all of your everything all of your details Mm -hmm. in the show notes people can find you and we'll also yeah leave some yeah just a few practitioners and things that have worked for yes. you. Yes.
3: Yeah, um, for sure.
2: Yeah, for people to check out. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. You
1: ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,